Good morning, my faith family. How are you? I'm Pastor Jen, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning and continue on our holiday series that Bill kicked off last week. And um, I'm so excited that Bill asked me to share on a topic that I really love. So I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. And um, the holidays are here. And uh, I don't know if you were with friends, you were with family, maybe it was a quiet holiday by yourself because less, no drama, whatever it is, I hope you're having a great weekend. And depending on how the football game went yesterday for you, hopefully you're doing well as, you know, as well. I love Christmas. I have been listening to Christmas music a solid month. In October, I even tried, but my son kept turning it off. And I, my house has been decorated for a week. I love this time of year. And so um, when Bill kicked off our series last week on peace, and he specifically was talking about peace when it comes to our creditors, maybe having peace with what we are given and not going into debt, or peace when we are facing trying to pay down debt? And how does God, like what does he have to say about encountering that peace? And so if you haven't heard his message, I really encourage you to because it was great last week. But we're gonna continue on that topic today with something that's really near and dear to my heart. Because four and a half years ago, I found myself in a place where I needed my life to be altered. It needed to have some change in it. You see, I am a go-getter. I have no problem getting the task done. I love me a huge to-do list at work, a huge to-do list at home. Normally, each day has a to-do list. You know, I, sometimes with the times, yes, I know, I'm, I love it. I am so motivated to get a good task done. I am an Enneagram one, for those of you that love the Enneagram, if you like the CVI, I am a builder. I don't know what I am in Myers-Briggs. But whatever it is, it's someone that likes to do a lot of tasks. And what happened is in this gifting, it got out of balance. And my life was about getting tasks done. And sometimes that is forgetting the people in my life. And I found it at a unhealthy place and I needed to make adjustments. So I began a journey of learning what does Sabbath rest look like. I studied scripture, I read books on people that had been down this journey, and I began to learn what does the rhythm of Sabbath rest look like, and how do I put it in my life? How do I make space, put the to-do list aside, and have a more balanced way of living. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna first turn to um, a passage um, uh, in scripture, Genesis chapter two, verse two. And so there's Bibles in front of you, you can pull out your phone or you can read along with me on the screen. But here we are in Genesis chapter two. On the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. In two very 
short verses, the word seventh is, named, is listed three times. The word rested is two times. And the authors, when they are writing the Bible, anytime you see words or a phrase repeated, it is the author's indication, ding, 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 light should be flashing, pay attention. This is the way that the ancient writers would draw you in and make you see that what I'm about to share with you is super important. And on the seventh day, God rested. And it says it three times. And he said, and then he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He has not done this yet. The seventh day, he uses the word holy for the first time. And it's because of him. Now, we kind of skip Genesis chapter one. In Genesis chapter one, God is speaking the world and everything we know into existence. And at the end of the day, or one, two or three, he always says, it's good. What he made is good. And then he gets to day six, and he makes man and woman. And that is very good. We're made as in his image. And then on seventh day, he rests. Now, the humans, when they were created on day six, they were told, to, they were given a cultural mandate. Go and be productive. Multiply. Use your giftings. Go and live this life I've given you. And then the next day, God says, rest. Now, he doesn't tell them to rest because, hey, you've worked so hard, it is time to relax. He says, it's time to rest, be still, because of who he is. It's time to stop, because God stopped. And the thing is, he makes this day holy. It has nothing to do with us and our actions. It all has to do with him. And in the beginning, this is what he establishes. Now, through the whole entire Old Testament, God is having conversations with people. His people Israel, who he says, be a nation that follows after me. And I want you to show the rest of the nations what it looks like to follow after me. I want you to be so different in how you live that people will want to follow me. So they were to be a nation that totally focused on God and that the other people would come to know God because of the way they lived. And one of the ways they were to live was to rest. No other nation did it. And so here, God is establishing, and throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, God is talking about their day of rest. So when we go to our next passage, which is in Luke, which is in the New Testament, Jesus is on the scene. God's son has arrived. What we're celebrating right now as you get ready for Christmas, Jesus is born. And Jesus was a rabbi, and he was in his ministry, and he was... He was pretty well known. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 13. And in Luke chapter 13, verse 10, we pick up. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. 
Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader, or maybe some of your translations say synagogue ruler, said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. If you've read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will notice that Jesus tends to get into a lot of trouble on the Sabbath. The religious leaders get so mad at him and bent out of shape on Sabbath days. Now, one of the reasons why this took place is because the topic of Sabbath was one of the most highly debated topics in Jesus' day. They spent a lot of time thinking, processing, debating. What does it look like to keep Sabbath? What do you do? What do you don't do? How long can you walk? How many steps you can take? And so there, there was a lot of debate going on. So here is Jesus on a Sabbath day in a synagogue. Now, if you've ever, when you read through the Gospels, you'll also see when Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, most likely, that's on a Sabbath day. Here's what was going on on a Sabbath day. In every local village, they would have a synagogue. And so they would have a synagogue, and that's where they would go on Saturday, their seventh day. And they would come together for reading scripture, the, the Torah, the prophets. They would praise God through singing. They would have community together. Does this sound familiar with what we're doing right now? Yeah. This is what they would do as a community together. And Jesus was a rabbi, so he would have been able to teach. And so here he is in a synagogue teaching. And when he's done teaching, he sees a woman who has been crippled for 18 long years. He notices her. I wonder if in that synagogue, people were so used to her, they didn't even see her anymore. But Jesus sees her that day. And he sees her so much that he recognizes her and calls her forward. And he says, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And he puts his hands on her and heals her. Now, when I've read about this, the, um, the commentaries will say, the act of him putting his hand on her would have been the work. This was what would have been debated. And so the fact that he placed his, his hand on her, he was working. And you are not to work on the Sabbath. He is messing up. Jesus is not handling the Sabbath correctly. Isn't that funny? But Jesus sees her. He calls her forward. He heals her. He gives her rest from her illness, rest from her pain, rest from her exclusion, rest from her turmoil, and he does all of this on the day of rest. He's showing them, he's opening their eyes. 
this is what my Sabbath is all about. There's healing in Sabbath. You are noticed on Sabbath. And who gets all bent out of shape? The synagogue leader. And you're kind of like, hold up, buddy. You're kind of getting bent out of shape over nothing. But there's kind of a layer that we need to understand when it comes to the synagogue ruler. He had a lot of clout in his city. He was very revered in his Jewish community. The synagogue ruler, his whole job was to usher in the Sabbath correctly. He would, on Friday night at sunset, he would blow the shofar, which was the horn, and usher in the Sabbath rest to his community. It was his responsibility to hand the rabbi, whoever was teaching the scrolls that day. It was his responsibility that people did what they needed to do in the synagogue on the day of rest. And I have to wonder, is he thinking, hey, Jesus, you're messing things up for me. You're not handling it correctly. You're not doing it right. I know how to do it right. See, the synagogue ruler is trying in his efforts to keep it holy. But what did we learn from Genesis chapter 2? Who makes the Sabbath holy? God does. Nothing we do or don't do makes it holy. It's only him. So my heart kind of goes out to him because here's this guy. He's forgotten the heart of God and why we have Sabbath rest. So much so that he's like, why are you healing her? And Jesus responds to him and says, you hypocrites. Jesus then reminds them that, hey, you take care of your animals which is an indicator like, have you forgotten the heart of God, why we do this? Here is a woman that has been in probably agony for 18 years, and she has been given freedom. He's reminding them that it is not about rules and regulations, it's about encountering God in his heart. He's reminding them that this woman is one of them. She's a daughter of Abraham. And shouldn't he care about her? Shouldn't the Sabbath be about rest for her? I love this passage because it shows so clearly God's heart. He sees us right where we're at. He sees us where we might be struggling. He sees us where our pain is. He sees us where our great days and our great joys, and he sees us at our worst. And he sees us so much and he says, but yet I'm calling you to be still and rest in me. The chaos is going to go on. We're all, we live in a chaotic world. We live in America, and we don't even understand, like, not going and doing and being on the fast track is just the American way. And he's saying there's a different way. When I, four and a half years ago, began to look at this and really process with Jesus, what is this going to mean for my life? 
there were things that I had to take away, things I had to add, so that my life could have a rhythm of rest. And my life has been changed because of it. I've met Jesus in some neat ways on this day that I've been told to be still. And about a week or so ago, that was really hard to do. All I wanted to do was get my to-do list done. My life felt chaotic. And I felt like Jesus said, I know it is. And you know what? That chaos will be here tomorrow. It's time to rest. So here, you know, I love to geek out on God's word. And I think knowing God's word is so important. But if it just stays at knowledge and we don't allow God's spirit to change us deep within, then we're missing something. And so I would love for us to kind of now move to the practical side and figure out what does it look like to have a rhythm of Sabbath in our lives? And for some of you, this is something that you have in your life. And I think it's great. And I know that God is speaking to you on those days. But for those of you that this is a new thing, let me kind of just share with you things that I have felt, uh, found that have been so beneficial to me in this process, in this journey of Sabbath rest. So here's some key things to remember. God made Sabbath. Now I know you're like, well, we already established that, but I have to remind myself that all the time. This is a day that he set aside to rest as our creator and he's calling us to. So establishing that all the time. Like I said, that the chaos is still going on, the world is still happening, and I, we are choosing to be still. Also thinking about asking God to direct us. I ask the Lord every time I begin my Sabbath day, what do you wanna show me? What do you wanna teach me? What do I need to be made aware of? Then I have a conversation with him and I'm like, I am physically drained. And he's like, yeah, you need to just not do anything. Or maybe I'll tell him I'm emotionally drained or, or you know, like my head is, you know, there's too many things going on in it and I needed him to quiet my brain, <laughs> quiet my thoughts. So I always start off that way. And then I allow God to minister to me. He made you, he made me, he knows what we need. He knows what we need before we do. And so invite him to allow to speak into your life and show you what you need. Show you what that Sabbath rest looks like. The other thing is I think through is I think through specifics. I think through how is a specific Sabbath day gonna look? Now this is really super practical. When I first began my Sabbath rest, it was on Mondays. Now, four and a half years later, it's not on Mondays, it's on Fridays. Actually, technically, I begin my Sabbath rest Thursday after dinner. And then I go, and I don't, I, to be honest, I'll be totally honest, I don't go a full 24 hours. 
I go about till noon the next day on Friday. Sometimes it goes longer. Sometimes it goes 24 hours. But there's something about saying, no, I'm done. And here's the thing. When I began my Sabbath journey, my Sabbath was only a few hours. I had littles at the time. It was all that I could wrap my mind around. And I felt like God was saying, we're just gonna create a habit. It's gonna be short. So for me, at the beginning, it was really short. But what I had to tell my perfectionist self is, I'm learning how to do this. I'm figuring it out. I'm gonna give grace to myself. Because this is a lot for me, the doer, to even put in my life. And so, figure out what that day is. How's it gonna look? And I know that for some of you, you a full 24 hours it is great. And I'll tell you what, one thing I'm talking to the Lord about is how to grow mine longer. But for my single parents out there, what I'm sharing with you today might seem really overwhelming. God sees you. God sees what you're, what you're going through. And Sabbath is for you. People out here that are working two to three jobs financially, it's really hard. The thought of taking a rest, you're like, I might not financially make it. God sees you. He knows what you're going through. He made Sabbath for you. In Genesis chapter two, when he establishes Sabbath, he establishes it for everyone. It's not for the wealthy, it's not for the privileged, it's not for people that have all the resources. Sabbath is for everyone. And he knows that we humans need it. He knows we need this rhythm in our life. So if this is something you're like, oh, I can't even begin to think about. Talk to Jesus about it. He hears you. He sees you. And he wants this for you. The other thing to think through is what's life-giving. Remember how I told you I love a good to-do list? I made a list of things that were life-giving. <laughs> and all the things that were life-giving, I made sure that that was part of my Sabbath day. And then I made a list, I know, shocker, of all the things that are not life-giving, and those things, they can wait. Ah, the other six days, I'll do them. So, things like cooking. I hate cooking. That's not on my Sabbath day. Now, for some of you, you're like, that is life-giving. Then put that on your Sabbath. I just won't be doing it. Um, and for those of you, like, what's life-giving for you? Maybe it's playing an instrument. Maybe it's writing poetry. Maybe it's being in the garden. Maybe it's being with people that are your favorite humans to be with. Put those on your Sabbath. And for those humans that might drain you and the people that might be really hard, maybe you live with them, so that might be hard. You know, maybe you're like, you, you know, I'll see you, I'll see you the next day. Maybe not the people you live with. But if those things are draining, put those on another day. I don't vacuum. I don't run the dishwasher. 
I definitely don't unload the dishwasher on Sabbath. Those things for other days. The other thing that I have also discovered is my phone to me is draining. So I can't turn it off because I have teenagers. So I ignore it for a while. But that's not life-giving to me. So I put that aside. I say, I'll get to you later. So think about it, those really practical things. And then I would encourage you to ask someone to check in with you. When I first began Sabbath keeping, I worked 12 hours on a Sunday, and my Sabbath was on a Monday. And I would tell everybody that I saw that Sunday night, tomorrow is Sabbath, you won't hear from me. So if you text me, sorry, I'm not getting back to you. And I would kind of make a joke of it, but I was serious. And so I was like, I like you, I love you, but uh, it'll have to wait till Tuesday. Because I needed them to know so they could hold me accountable. Because I needed a lot of accountability at the beginning. I needed a lot of people encouraging me. And still to this day, I need it. My husband, a week and a half ago, said, I don't think you should be doing that on your Sabbath. And he reminds me, oh yeah, that's, that's right. I can put that aside. Because I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out, okay, the chaos can wait. But the thing is, it's been an amazing journey. It's changed me. It's changed how I parent. When I first began this, I didn't ask my family to participate with me because I really wanted them to do this on their own. Not mom was forcing them. And so I began this by myself. And I remember my kids coming over and school and going, how was it? <laughs> because I needed to figure out what this looked like for me without saying, you all have to do something that I feel convicted on. But maybe it is something that you do as an entire family. You rest together. As we've been talking about Jesus and what he was doing on the Sabbath day, getting into trouble. The thing is, is Jesus came as the son of, he's the son of God, and he came to this earth to live a perfect life. He came and he bore all our sins on, a crimp, on the cross. He died a criminal's death. Took all of humanity's sins upon him. And he did that because he knew there was only one way for us to have a relationship with a holy God. And so as we think about this series of peace, the true peace that we can have when we surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus is the greatest peace we can ever know. And if this is something you've been wrestling with, thinking about, and oh, I've been wondering who this Jesus is. I think it's time for me to surrender to him. I would like to pray with you so that and invite you to talk to him, encounter the one who gives us peace.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us, how you took on all of our sins. And you died on the cross taking all our sins and you rose on the third day victoriously. And because of what you have done, we can have life in you. And for my friends that this is resonating with, just you can follow along with me. And Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I don't have it all figured out. This is all new to me. But I wanna live for you. And I'm tired of being the one that thinks they're in control all the time. I want you to have control over everything. I wanna surrender to you. I wanna surrender and know that you are offering me true peace. And I accept the gift of salvation. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me online or maybe in this room, share it with someone. There's people out here in the atrium that would love to process with you, love to talk to you about it. They don't have it all figured out either, but they're on the journey. And it's the greatest encouragement you can have to have someone walk alongside you. As we've been talking about peace and what does it mean to have a peace, may we choose to be obedient to God and have a Sabbath rest. May we leave today thinking, how will I grow my Sabbath? I already have one. Maybe you're thinking, how am I gonna grow it? Maybe I'm gonna make it longer. Maybe I'm gonna be more mindful of it. Or maybe you're asking the question, it's time for me to take a leap of faith and start this journey of Sabbath keeping. And so today, share it with someone. The thing is, is God is not gonna let you down. He's gonna be with you in the chaos and he's gonna be with you when you choose to be still in the, with all the chaos going on. He is gonna be with you. He created it and he's got you. Let's pray. Lord, I wanna thank you so much that you are a God that created rest, that you love us so much, that you are a good God that knows what we need and you are calling us into a Sabbath keeping rhythm. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your calling. And thank you that we can find peace in you when everything else around us isn't. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.